Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Uh, just recently, I watched a, uh, a documentary on uh, uh, television um, about um, the the number of uh, young people, and particularly uh, 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 children, that are, are choosing to change their their gender and and this whole concept of um, uh, gender fluidity and uh, so the program uh, essentially dealt with um, uh, of course uh, young people going through adolescence and during that time uh, choosing to uh, change for example from uh, uh, female to male or I guess from male uh, to female whatever it is and um, this really concerned me because um, it seemed that there was a whole the way the uh, the, the uh, documentary portrayed it was there was a a whole movement to sort of accept young people's decisions at um, at this early age, and in, indeed here in Australia, um, in every state it. Uh, it seems there are uh, hospitals, major uh, hospitals, major paediatric uh, hospitals that are specialising in these uh, transformations and there's uh, you know, waiting lists of, of, it appears, thousands of young people. Now, uh, one of the things was they did interview uh, a, uh, a child psychologist, for example, who was very concerned about um, this um, and one of the things that uh, psychologists said was that young people should uh, be encouraged to remain in uh, whatever gender they were, at least, um, um, you know, through adolescence. Um, and also they interviewed a paediatrician who was very, very concerned that, you know, young, young children, um, pre-adolescent children, um, were were making choices then um, to change their their gender, and of course this was being followed up on. Again, one of the really concerning factors is that uh, most of my understanding is that most of these uh, transitioning programs, if uh, taken to completion, are going to lead the person either in infertile. Um, or else um, uh, maybe in the case of um, young women unable to uh, breastfeed their, their children if they choose to um, uh, revert back from being a, a so-called male. Um, and it also seemed um, from the, my reading of the, of the science underpinning uh, that it's, it's actually impossible to, for a, a fertile female to change to a fertile male or vice versa. And so therefore we have the, the issue that um, in my mind is a, is a very serious moral issue um, that the, these uh, young people are being put on a course that could lead to them um, a, a, when they do mature and become uh, adults being unable um, to uh, have have children, whereas if they had not undergone that process, um, they would have been able to have, have had a family. And so one of the things I want to talk about today was adolescence. 
Now, it's very interesting that we know as we read the Genesis account that in the beginning God made the male and female, and indeed Jesus affirms this. Uh, We can read about it in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 10, verse 6. uh, Jesus speaking uh, points out, but from the beginning of creation God made the male and female. And so this is a, a special thing that we were made special, what, uh, one of the things that happens, of course, when we're, 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 we're children, we grow up, we go to a change or a time in life where we actually change from childhood to adulthood. And this is called the period of adolescence. And I guess in, in a way it's, a, it's analogous to we have the, the caterpillar um, uh, goes through a change and becomes a butterfly. Uh, and of course, in humans, the change is nowhere near that uh, dramatic. Now, much of the emphasis that seems to be uh, being generated in the media and so forth and on social media um, relates to um, sexual characteristics uh, and the changes of um, the, the sexual characteristics. And I think one of the things that's overlooked is the period of, of adolescence also involves cognitive function development. So this is very important. So we change from this childhood cognitive function to a mature adult cognitive function. So we're able to process things, I would say in just general terms, much more maturely. There is also psychological development as well that runs in parallel with this. And so what is very concerning is that people, uh, young people, prior to full cognitive development, to full psychological development, uh, being encouraged to make choices uh, that are going to later on be very difficult to reverse. Um, that's not to say they can't be reversed, uh, but um, and and you know there's there's quite a, a lot involved as we can see because the biochemistry of adolescence is is very complex. One of the things, of course, that did uh, concern me um, uh, watching the program was that it appears uh, that at least in one state of Australia, um, it's against the law to discourage someone uh, from. Um, undergoing these uh, sort of gender changes. So uh, to me, yeah, that, that just seemed, uh, if, given that the media is allowed to, or, you know, particular websites are allowed to promote it, um, it was uh, illegal, I guess, to, to interfere in a, uh, and, and try and encourage the person to just remain as they are. So I think it's important to have a look at the, the, the chemistry of this now, adolescence is characterised by the earlier early phase, which is, say, 10 to 13 years, and then the mid-phase, 14 to 16 years of age, and then the late phase, 17 to, to 19 years of age. So we can see uh, really, you know, people of 18, although they're considered legally adults in some states and some places in the world, um, they're probably the, the safest age to consider being fully developed as an adult would be the old-fashioned 21 years of age. And so one of the uh, processes that are involved in these um, uh, 
transitioning so forth from one gender to another involve puberty blockers and some of these other uh, uh, compounds like this uh, hormones, the um, male and female um, uh, sex hormones, estradiol and testosterone. So one of the things we need to look at then is this first part from the early stage to the mid stage of adolescence is called puberty. It's It's the first half of adolescence. And um, that's uh, the transition from a sexually immature child to a potentially fertile adolescent and adult. And this is, um, and it can begin as early, some of the very uh, prepubertal changes that occur, occur, you know, typically, uh, you know, um, eight to nine. Uh, years, and it's probably referred to as the prepubertal period uh, there. Puberty, of course, this change is influenced by optimum nutrition. Um, It's also influenced by how much weight uh, the person actually gains during um, mid-childhood or or mid-adolescence. And um, also there are genetic factors uh, because there there can be mutations uh, to the um, uh, chromosomes that can affect um, this development. Uh, we need to remember that we uh, the human genome is increasing in the number of mutations with each uh, generation, uh, generally speaking. And as I've said, I've referred earlier on, this is one of the reasons um, on the basis of the increase in genetic mutations that we can't be, you know, millions of years old. Matter of fact, we probably can't be more than about 100,000 years for life on Earth just on that base alone. And my calculations earlier on pointed that, yeah, yeah, from the level of mutations that we have versus the rate of accumulation of mutations, it's powerful evidence that life on Earth is actually only less than 10,000 years old. Now, the other factors that can affect, though, um, puberty are environmental factors. We know that, the, uh, for example, the, the, the rate of pubertal d- development can vary depending on whether it's in a rural uh, or a city environment, uh, particularly in developing countries, and also the presence of uh, pesticides and industrial chemicals in the environment that the child finds themselves in, because some of these compounds, these chemical compounds, can interfere with the controlling compounds or chemicals that control the development. So the whole process of this maturing from a uh, child to an adult is, is essentially controlled by a, a, a small organ in the um, brain, the hypothalamus, uh, which controls the biochemical balance in our body and particularly uh, the hormones. And so it, it controls the, um, uh, the gonads, uh, which are the um, um, you know, male and, and female reproductive cells in uh, males, of course, they're the testes and in the females, they're the ovaries. And so this is a good definition. I know, again, I've seen programs where people say, how do you define a male or a woman or a male or female? Well, a male has testes um, and a female has ovaries. And these produce the, the hormones responsible for 
um, the sexual uh, development, of course. Um, of course, there are other situations where uh, there are, uh, are very unusual mutations where both are present, both testes and uh, ovaries, but generally one is developed and fertile, or if at all, or either both are infertile. Uh, I don't know of any reported instance where both would be fertile. Um, and, of course, this situation is, is very rare. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why a, a male really can't uh, 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 transgender to a, to a female. In the, you can't go from having testes to, to ovaries, um, your own anyway, and be, and be fertile. That's my understanding of it, and, and vice versa. So... Um, the other thing that's controlled by the hypothalamus, of course, is the pituitary gland, uh, and that controls the uh, functions of a range of uh, enzymes. Um, and, of course, there is also a separate development, and that is the adrenal glands. There are developments that also occur in parallel to this. Um, and so... This uh, we we call the development there, um, it, which uh, this uh, maturity is characterised by what they call the, the hypothalamic pituitary gonal axis, plus the adrenal cortex, um, and this leads to the appearance, of course, of the uh, sexual characteristics and the acceleration of growth, body growth, so the person begins to grow more rapidly, um, and also the capacity for fertility, the capacity to have children. And of course, this is part of God's um, you know, plan uh, for us. So prior to puberty, this axis is dormant, and there's actually no detectable levels of estradiol in girls or testosterone in, in boys. But as puberty begins, these hormones begin to be produced in um, in impulses. So you've got the uh, gonadotropin-releasing hormone, uh, begins to be produced, and this is a, a hormone that actually stimulates the production of the gonad hormones. And this um, is begins being released in pulses, um, about one to two hours apart. Um, and of course, uh, in females, luteinizing uh, hormone, um, and that begins to vary. And, and this changes as puberty develops. The frequency of these pulses changes from one to two hours to continuous and then to, to four hours in, in, um, as cycles begin to develop later on. Now, if we, if we look at in girls, this cycling and ovulation usually begins in the mid-adolescence range. And um, we also have um, other um, um, androgens begin to be developed, um, dehydro um, epibandestro, commonly known as DHEA. Um, and that actually can begin to increase um, at, as early as six to eight years of age. Um, the uh, generation of the gonotropin-releasing hormone, of course, um, is regulated by a number of neuropeptides, um, and these um, 
uh, as well as the transforming growth factor, which is produced in glial cells. But the uh, pituitary uh, hormones or these uh, multiple neuro uh, peptides, sorry, uh, there's some stimulatory ones, glutamic acid, the uh, kispeptin and uh, neurocainin B. Uh, there's uh, there's inhibitory ones like gamma butyric acid, um, propylene capillin, and um, dinorphin. Um, it was interesting with uh, kispeptin, of course, the the genetic code uh, for that uh, uh, hormone, for example, involves oh over three hundred amino uh, amino base pairs, amino acid base pairs. So. Um, just for that one hormone to form randomly by chance, um, or stimulatory uh, neuropeptide rather, sorry, not hormone, um, just the chances of that genetic code just for that one um, uh, neuropeptide, kispeptin, to form by chance is astronomically impossible when we look at the stats of it. And so one of the things is when we look at the statistics for all these specific compounds or hormones and neuropeptides, growth factors and so forth that are produced in this change that all have to be released at just the right time. It's not going to work if a world is released too early um, and so forth. It's not going to work if it's released our face. They all have to be released in synchrony. But they involve really complex aspects of code that evolutionists have to believe arose by random, chance, blind mutations to make this whole uh, development work. And to me, it's just overwhelming evidence that the complexity of the code involved in these changes, you know, let alone with a you know, caterpillar turning into a butterfly, but it's the same in, in humans, in all mammals, in all animals, really, um, is extremely complex and specific. And it points to a unique, supernatural, super-intelligent creator, designer, programmer, biochemical programmer. But, you know, there are, there are aspects of this, when these changes are, are taking place, that can be very scary for young people. So, for example, um, breast development or thelarch that can begin 8 to 13 years of age, um, and then, of course, menstruation a little bit later. Um, you get the appearance of pubic hair, this sort of thing. But the thing is that as the breasts are developing, the breast buds may be tender, they may be asymmetric in size, and this can raise concerns. Um, at the same time, of course, the apopocrine gland, uh, which is uh, a, a unique uh, special glands that are located in um, that produce adult type body odors, um, and they're found under the armpits um, and parts of the breast, uh, around our reproductive organs and, and other areas, and the, the head as well. And um, the the production of, of these things, these new smells, these can also be uh, quite um, scary. Also, of course, the production of uh, estradiol uh, just prior to Menarch uh, widely fluctuates, really widely fluctuates. And so these... What we're having is we're seeing large hormonal swings and changes. We're seeing... Um, changes in our body, uh, in the body shape. There's changes in, in um, fat uh, levels again. Um, the, um, 
the rising levels of these gonotropins um, released from the pituitary gland like uh, LH and uh, FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, uh, they can stimulate the ovaries to produce increasing amounts of estradiol. The estradiol then, of course, stimulates the breast development, uh, the reproductive organ growth. Um, it also affects fat re- uh, redistribution, say, from hips and breast. It also affects bone maturation. But So we've got a lot of changes, physical changes that are taking place and not necessarily in balance with how they might be occurring in other people. Uh, at the same age. And this can be very scary, very disconcerting. Um, uh, and, you know, perhaps it's more noticeable and very, you know, more, um, you know, obvious in girls. But of course, in boys, there are similar changes taking place in that the testes increase in size, pubic hair appears, uh, the um, penis lengthens. Um, and the production of sperm starts. And so, uh, and also, of course, we have the voice breaking. And so, um, there can also, though, and this is another interesting factor that is really normal, there can be a mild degree of breast enlargement in boys. And this is seen in more than 50% of boys early in puberty. And again, this can be a worry. And people can interpret these um, changes incorrectly. But generally, that subsides spontaneously over several months. And then boys get a great, a much greater growth spurt later uh, in puberty. So girls tend to have their growth spurt, spurt just uh, before uh, menarche and then boys, of course, later in, in puberty. So there's these different changes. And, of course, we have the increase in uh, muscle mass and bone development occurs um, and uh, total bone mass increases in both sexes. Um, But it's interesting that a lean body mass can increase during the early stages of uh, adolescence in both whereas fat mass increases in girls in the later stage, for example, of puberty. And again, these changes, which are quite normal, they're part of normal development, can be so scary and disconcerting. And, of course, if people are um, uh, uh, perhaps discussing these issues um, in social media or uh, you know among friends and they don't understand fully the process, you can understand how um, uh, young people can be, become very worried about these things. And I think it's important to have an, an understanding that these changes... And at times they can be uncomfortable, they can at times be unpleasant, Um, but they go through a changes. In my view, it's very important to let these changes go through to completion. And one of the arguments the medical profession uh, uses, of course, uh, for uh, transgenderism is... um, I guess this whole um, concept that uh, gender is uh, fluid, which I believe is uh, based on uh, faulty uh, logic, actually, um, and, uh, and and certainly I haven't seen any really good science that that supports this. This is myself. Uh, so you know, uh, to me, it's 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 almost a, a fantasy theory, really. Um, 
we need to understand, of course, that people don't fully understand consciousness. Consciousness, and that's our brain, that's our personality, who we are, is um, is certainly partly influenced because we know drugs can uh, affect us, certain biochemicals can affect us. But consciousness, who we are, if you take the biblical worldview, is something that God has implanted in us and we are special. And that's who we are. And we're always going to be that person, no matter how we you know, muck about changing hormone levels and, and these sort of things. And so I, I think, you know, the, and the, what can happen is, of course, the, the medical profession want to get on to these changes earlier on because they're a lot easier to do in terms of regulating um, the, um, the, the, the different sex hormones, testosterone, estradiol, putting in puberty blockers, all these sort of things um, can help facilitate the... Um, uh, they make the changes a lot easier for the medical profession if the person wants to change. But I think the main point is that at that stage, the person still hasn't developed cognitively and psychologically. And that's why, um, yeah, that's why I hold, uh, you know, my views that God created male and female. He created people special. Um, if we have a worldview that ignores God, well, I guess God is going to have the final say um, in the judgment. Uh, we will certainly see this. But I, I think my own uh, personal view is that if we hold to the biblical view, young people need to be encouraged that they will get through this. It is okay. Um, every, people go through this. Some the symptoms are more severe than others, but we get through it, and we can then enjoy adulthood, and ourselves become parents uh, and enjoy uh, having a, an adult life. So, of course, these are issues that are um, unfortunately hotly uh, debated in the um, in our secular world without taking into consideration that there was an original designer and planner who made us male and female uh, for uh, that uh, particular reason. And I think it's very important for us young people to be reminded that they were made special by God. There's a God who loves them. There's a God who answers prayer. And there's very, very real evidence for this. Um, in the Bible itself presents the historical miracles that were occurred. And again, uh, for people listening that you know um, hold a, a very secular worldview, I would encourage you to perhaps look on uh, the internet for some of John Lennox's uh, uh, YouTube videos. Um, where he, for example, demolishes atheism. There was an Oxford lecture that he gave. Uh, so John Lennox, L-E-N-N-O-X, um, and because he is a mathematician and philosopher from Oxford, professor there, and presents a very, very powerful case for the existence of God and how, and a loving God, the God of the Bible, and how much sense it makes. And when we hold that position, um, we have a God that we can turn to for help and for love. I hope that this program has uh, been helpful. If you want to re-listen to it, um, remember to Google 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au. 
click on the radio button and the listen button and look up. And there are many different uh, programs too. And remember, you can send the links to um, your friends on social media to encourage other people to um, uh, to uh, find and discover these books. Uh, my book, Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Be Explained, The Origin of Life on Earth, uh, is also available in main bookshops. And they're on. you can also look at uh, the program Evolution Impossible under the TV series. Um, and also I discuss the content of the book under the program Science Conversations. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.